0: Much. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Who is God? We live in an ever changing world. Some of it is good. I like the change. It's certainly coming at us very fast, and it's easy to feel out of touch. An old farmer was driving down the freeway, his cell phone rang. Answering, he heard his wife's urgent voice warning him, Bill, I just heard on the news a car is going the wrong way on Highway 59. Please be careful. (laughs) Darling, Bill reasoned, it's not just one car, it's hundreds of them. (laughs) The truth is, life is coming at us faster than ever, isn't it? It's not always easy to change direction. A lady was out hitting all the garage sales when she came across an old needlepoint picture that read, Prayer Changes Lives. She brought it home and began to look for just the right place to hang the new picture. Finally, she decided that it went well in the dining room over the dining room table. And With great pride, she admired her garage sale discovery and could hardly wait to show her husband. That evening when her husband arrived home from work, she showed him the picture, and he really made no indication of one way or another whether he liked it or not. The next day, the lady was cleaning the house, and she discovered that the new picture was gone. As she continued to clean the house, she discovered the picture behind the bookcase. She thought, that's strange, and she rehung the picture in its original location. The next day, to her dismay, she discovered the picture gone again and discovered again behind the bookcase. When the husband arrives home, she confronts her husband and asks him, he says, are you displeased with this art of needlepoint? To which he responds, no, not at all. It's very nice. She said, well, is it the place? Do you not like the place that is hung? He says, no, not at all. It's really a great location. She says, well, I guess it just must be the message, and asks him, is it the message you don't like? He said, no, not at all. The message is great. Finally, she says, well, then what's the problem? He says, I just don't like change. (laughs) Yeah, we don't like change, whether it be a picture or no matter what it is, it seems like change is not easy. And yet we live in a rapidly changing world. The volume of knowledge, it is said, is it rate is uh, expanding at an exponential rate you take the sum of the knowledge at the time of christ to 1500 the time of leonardo da vinci 1500 years in that 1500 years it is estimated that knowledge or at least information doubled and by 1776 the time of the american revolution it doubled again roughly 300 years and then by 1900, only about 100 years, it doubled again. By 1950, only 50 years, it doubled again. By 1960, it doubled again. In fact, experts are now saying that it is their estimation that the total sum of knowledge is absolutely growing double every 18 months. I read a statistic this week that said data is growing. 1.7 megabytes of new information listen to this 1.7 megabytes of new information is created every second for every human being on the planet no wonder we get confused there's just too much to process it is hard to know if we'll ever catch up things are changing so fast i hold a little grandbaby and maybe a 1-year-old grandbaby on my lap and We'll kind of play together and kind of mess with each other. And if I have my iPhone open or my iPad, I've got to be real careful because that little one-year-old will start swiping. And before long, I'll have a brand new couch at my house. And uh, (laughs) I'll tell you what, these things are changing. These little one-year-olds are a lot better on my phone than I am. We had our Christmas uh, celebration together as a family and it was beautiful. And as you might imagine, it's quite quite a time, quite a big group. But uh, we weren't all able to be there because of medical reasons. And then uh, one of our families is in Japan. But we uh, had a family celebration and we had Zoom. And so we had a screen there and had, uh, I think it was four different families on the screen. And each one of them, wherever they were, whether it be a time zone or whatever location, we all had Christmas together. I just sat there thinking, this is amazing. And I'd hold up something and say, oh, thank you, (laughs) you know, and they'd all clap or whatever, wherever they were, just incredible. The fact is, folks, uh, things have changed so much. And yet at the same time, things that matter most have never changed. Things that are essential have never changed. You can take the Bible and you can put it on a computer chip, but that does not change one part of the blessed word of God. It is eternal. Thank God that there are things that never change The world is changing and it will continue to change, but the human heart is not changed. The human heart more than ever needs Jesus Christ. Jesus hasn't changed. We live in a time of change, but God has not changed. And so we're in a series uh, before we began the first of the year on the attributes of God. And for the few weeks here, we looked into the book of Revelation. We had a great time. We came to the half part there where we came to the 11th chapter, and I hope I whetted your appetite somehow uh, for the book of Revelation. If you, I will just say this, if you want to continue on and get a head start for the next time we come at that, uh, the plan is next January, but if you want to get a head start on that, I would give you a, a good suggestion. There's a free commentary that's online, and uh, it's easy to get to. It's called blueletterbible.org. It is put together... Calvary Chapel pastor down on the central coast there, David Guzig. And uh, it's excellent. And he has a textual commentary as well as Matthew Henry's there, Chuck Smith and others. And uh, so if you want to just read that textual commentary, it's great. They also have uh, interlinear and uh, word studies. It's just excellent. And so this morning we're going to talk about who is God, a God who never changes. The world is changing, but I thank God that he never changes the immutability of God. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I thank you this morning for the wonderful truth of your immutability. You never change. And yet, Lord, in a changing world that's so reassuring, Holy Spirit, give us your strength today, I pray. Give us understanding of this amazing doctrine. Meet with us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, why should we study the attributes of God? It's been said that a man's character will be determined by the character of the God that he worships. Look, if you will with me, please, in Colossians chapter one and verse number 10, if we want to walk worthy, Colossians one and verse 10, If we want to walk worthy, and I want a worthy walk, don't you? I want to be pleasing to the Lord. In every good work, how do we do that? We increase in the knowledge of God. As we increase in the knowledge of God, as the old saying says, what would Jesus do? Yes, what would Jesus do? Today, we're going to talk about the immutability of God. That's a big word. It's hard to kind of wrap your tongue around a little bit. It's even an, an unusual word. But if you look at the word just for a little bit, you'll see a very common word, and that is the word mutate or mutant. Now, you've heard of mutants. If you've ever watched anything on TV from Hollywood, you know that there are the X-Men and they are mutants or there are these turtle people that are mutants and there's, these things are different. And that's what it... A mutation is something of nature uh, that changes. Now, I'm not talking about these mutants that are walking around the neighborhood there with their pants hanging on the ground. That's a different kind of mutant there. But uh, these, uh, when it talks about a, a mutant, it is a random genetic change that produces a new offspring. If something is mutable, it is subject to change. If something is immutable, two words, Not mutable or not able to mutate, then it cannot change. And that's exactly what this word means. It means that God never mutates. He never develops. He never gets better or worse. God is always the same. Let's go to the book of Malachi first, and we're just going to look at a couple of scriptures, and then we're going to unpack this truth as we go along. In the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi the prophet is preaching in chapter 3, and he is warning those people about the sure and very just judgment of God. And they're kind of saying things like, well, Malachi, uh, what is this judgment of God that you're talking about? And he tells them, well, don't get proud because I'm telling you judgment is coming. Look what it says. For I am the Lord, and that judgment is coming. I am change not. I promise you, I've told you it's coming and it's going to come. If therefore you understand that, praise God. If not, the sons of Jacob will be consumed. Now here is a simplified working definition of the word immutability. It means that God never changes in his basic character. God never changes in his basic character. Now we'll talk more about that in just a moment. In light of immutability, therefore, we could preface every statement about who God is with this pronoun, always. Just say the word always about God. He is always wise. He is always sovereign. He is always loving. He is always just. He is always good. He is always merciful. You cannot separate the word always from God when you consider his immutability. Whatever God was, he is. There are no sometimes attributes with God. Now, if you were to say, pastor is friendly, well, most of the time. There was a time I walked by the pastor and he didn't even say hi to me. That's because I'm maybe friendly most of the time, but maybe not all the time. But God, he is always friendly. He is always loving with God. Every attribute of God, and there are dozens of them, is an always attribute. That means there's zero chance that God would ever change. Let's go to James chapter 1 and verse 17. Here's what Pastor James, that pastor in the church of Jerusalem, First Baptist Church in Jerusalem, (laughs) Pastor James said, there is a zero chance that God will ever change. Look what he says, James 1 and verse 17, God has no variableness. Now people were trying to ask in James chapter 1, well, maybe I did wrong because of my, you know, this, or maybe I did this because of that. And some even suggested maybe even God (laughs) allowed me, you know, uh, give me God, maybe even made me. And James said, look, trust me, there is no chance of God ever doing anything wrong. There is no variableness in God. Notice what it says, not even a shadow. God is as consistent as the sun coming up and the sun going down. Now folks, everything has changed since I've been little, but there's one thing that hasn't changed and that is the sun always keeps coming up. It keeps coming up and it keeps going down. Maybe this whole doctrine could be best described by that beautiful old hymn, great is thy faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. That's probably the greatest single hymn about describing this attribute, the immutability of God. Now let's look at three major implications of the immutability of God. First of all, God's promises do not change. God's promises do not change. Now, sometimes we break our promises. Most often, they're probably not intentional, but we break our promises. Let's say, for example, I were to say to you, uh, I, uh, now I'm going to come by tomorrow and I'm going to pick you up at 2.30. I want to be on time for what we're going to do, so... I want you to be ready. I'm not I'm not saying 2.40. I'm saying 2.30. And I want you out there and I want you ready. Okay. You got it? I got it. Okay, boy. You give me a little break. I'll be there 2.30. Ready? I got it. Okay. So the next day comes around. You are out there 2.30 in the afternoon, standing out there, windy there, you know, spring day, waiting outside, shivering and 2.30, 2.31, 2.32, you're expecting any second, 2.40, 2.45, finally three o'clock, you walk inside disgusted. What in the world? He told me to be out there at 2.30 and didn't even show up. The next day you see me, you say, no, wait a second. I thought you told me to be out there at 2.30. Well, I know, but... Um, you know, I, uh, I got hung up at the office. I, I couldn't phone you and, and uh, I, I was getting laid. And besides that, my dog ate your address. And so I just couldn't get there. And uh, you would say, wait a second. Now, folks, God would never do something like that because God has everything under control. He is absolutely dependable. He is utterly trustworthy. He is always reliable. God will always keep his word. Now, there's one thing about a promise I've noticed. and if you're older at all, you know this is true. And that is, a promise is only as good as the promiser. People make promises all the time. And uh, we see that a lot on the media, and we've seen it from uh, the po- political world, haven't we? People make promises, And yet a promise is only as good as the promiser. And that's why I thank God that our promiser is the greatest of all. He is one who never changes. And that's what Peter explained about this important truth. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. In fact, let's read it together. 2 Peter 1 and verse number 4, please. Ready? Begin. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding great and precious promises. God has given us promises, not maybes, exceeding, not piddling, exceeding, great, not small, great, precious. Here, the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter is trying to explain just how amazing the promises of God are. God's promises aren't just good. They're great. They're exceeding great. They're past great. They're incredible great. If you will drink from God's word, it'll be like putting your mouth on a fire hose. I mean, it'll just just blow you up. You'll say, oh my goodness. And that's what God is saying here. The amazing power of the truths of God. Great is, are the promises of God, but they're only as great as the promiser. That's why the immutability of God is so important because yes, those are great things I read in the Bible, but anybody can say great things. I mean, we have politicians say great things all the time, but we know you can't take it to the bank because they're not as good as the promise, but God is as good as his promise. Let's look at another wonderful passage in the New Testament, Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, you know the passage. You know the background of this. In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, here God is talking about the fact that he is going to save Israel. I'm not done with Israel. Now, I know you're pretty much done with me. I know you don't want me, but I will tell you, I'm not done with you. I love you. In fact, in Jeremiah, God said, "I married you. I feel like putting you away, divorcing you, but I can't. I love you, and I will be there for you to the end." In Romans chapter 11, we saw about in the book of Revelation, there's going to come a time at the end of the tribulation period where all of Israel will get saved. And why does God not give up on his people because of this truth right here, Romans 11:29? Because The gift of salvation, the calling of God to salvation are without repentance. Now, this introduces a whole new concept here. God repenting of his promises, God repenting of his calling. Well, that's what it's saying here. Now, sometimes when we see the word repentance, it's meaning a change of mind or a change of heart. Sometimes in scripture, it's talking about a change of actions. Now we know that those always don't go together. Sometimes we have to change our actions towards somebody. Maybe we have to create some healthy boundaries or we have to discipline, but it doesn't change our love towards that person. Our mind is still loving, but our actions have to be something that are kind of tough love. And that's what it's saying here, that God's Love, God's care, God's calling, he has no change in his actions towards Israel. God's gospel is a gift without repentance. Whom he loves, he loves to the end. One day, 19th century, eminent preacher C.H. Spurgeon, called the Prince of Preachers, he went to a friend's house and there on the top of his friend's barn was a weather vane. And there on that weather vane were three words, God is love. Spurgeon looked at his friend and he said, that's a nice thing to put up there, but I might suggest it may not be the best message for a weather vane because every time the wind blows, that little thing blows and that's suggesting that God's love is variable. And we all know that God's love never changes his friend said to his loving pastor, he says, well, pastor, I don't know that you're quite understanding what I'm meaning by that. What I'm meaning is that regardless of how the wind blows in my life, God is still love. God is love. His love never changes. He promised it and he's as good as the promise. The promise is good, but the promiser is what makes the promise good. Number two, the second implication of immobility, first of all, (laughs) it's a big word, God's promise do not change. Number two, God's purposes do not change. Now, we oftentimes change our purposes. We wake up in the morning and we say, okay, I'll get my list out here. We've noticed since we've been in this new building, it is just busier than ever before. We have new people coming, we have new things we're trying to do, and so it's just busy. I mean, if you come here to the office and you have a plan, you can count on that plan having some interruptions. Now, they are almost always blessed interruptions, but I mean, it's busy around here anymore. You might plan to do this or this or this, and then all of a sudden, we come to the end of the day, about one thing you got done that you had planned. Well, that's the way it is all of us. We plan to do this, we plan to do that, and things change. But God never is like that. God says, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And that's exactly what happens. Human life changes, but God never changes. That's why the sweet psalmist of Israel says in Psalm 33, verse 10, the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to <laughs> Whatever any heathen wants to do, you can just count on it. God may allow it or may not allow it, but it, it only happens if God allows. But one thing is sure, verse 11 The counsel of the Lord or the purposes of the Lord stand forever. God does whatever he wants. You may remember in the book of Esther, Haman, wicked Haman, he had an idea he was going to destroy Israel. That was his plan. That was his purpose. But God had another purpose. God was going to use the evil work of Haman in a weird, crazy way, he was going to use it to put Esther in a place where she could actually save her people. God's purposes always come. That's word there is counsel. God is always taking care of business. He was before we became, and he will, way after we're gone, God is always taking care of his business. The great messianic prophet Isaiah. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24. Another very similar fact. The Lord of hosts has sworn saying, surely as I have thought or as I have planned, it shall come to pass. As I have purposed, it shall stand. The prophet Isaiah was saying that God was going to take down the Babylonian empire. Those people are saying, I don't think so. These people are, I mean, nobody is going to bring these people down. But God said, I promise you, they're coming down. And they did. About 200 years from that time, God certainly did that. And then let's go to the New Testament. Because I will tell you, there is no passage that's any more powerful than this one. Reminding us of the importance of God's promises and God's, what He's doing. Hebrews chapter 6 Verse 17. Here we find the actual word immutability in scripture. You probably read this verse and thought, man, that's a big old word. And now we know it just means things that mutate, things that change, things that are mutants. God is no mutant. Verse 17. Wherein God, willing more abundantly, he's talking about salvation. He's talking about what it means to have the gospel. He's more abundantly to show to the heirs of promise, that's those people who accept Christ, the immutability of his counsel or his promise. And he confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie and that he already made this promise, we might have this strong consolation or hope and we have fled for reverence lay hold on this truth, lay hold on this hope. We just let it sit there, grab it with the fact that God has made this immutable promise. Now, the point here is that God's purposes are not just a goal, but that God has legally issued something that is unalterable. The word immutability here, this Greek word is actually a combination of two words, And it is borrowed from the Greek legal world. It is used in context of wills and contracts. The stipulation being that sometimes things are irrevocable. Irrevocable. The idea here is that a will or a contract once made, it is impossible to change unless the one who made it decides to change it. It is immutable. It cannot be changed other than by the one who has promised it. Thank God. What God is saying here, he said, the fact of your eternal salvation is not just a hope. It's not just a goal. It is unchangeable. You will never, ever be lost. Why? Because I am legally bound by the promise to never change it. And I won't change it. It has been settled in the high court. God made a covenant. He signed it in blood. Jesus signed it in his blood at the cross. He signed it as a reminder that this purpose is yours. You have eternal life. And by the way, that eternal life doesn't just start when I die. That eternal life is now. And that's what he's saying here. Enjoy your eternal life. It has been promised. It is my purpose. And because I don't have any plans of changing it, I am immutable, it's yours. Three major implications. Number one, God's promises do not change. Number two, his purposes do not change. And thankfully, number three, his personality does not change. Now our personalities change. (laughs) Mine changes if I don't have enough food, I change. I'll tell you what, I don't just get hungry, I get hangry. And uh, my wife will say, you need to eat something. And uh, then we'll talk a little bit, but you know what? We get fickle. Maybe uh, we have some sort of chemicals or hormones or we don't get enough sleep or, you know, whatever the case, we have good days and we have bad days. But I want you to know God never has a bad day. Never, God's never had a bad day. For that matter, God's never had a good day (laughs) because He never changes. He always has good days. God never treats people with the whims of the moment. We get grumpy and sometimes uh, we have mixed emotions about things, kind of like the fellow who watched his mother-in-law reverse off of the cliff in his brand new car, (laughs) mixed emotions. And uh... (laughs) yeah, we have mixed emotions, don't we? We, one day we're up and one day we're not uh, up, but never with an immutable God. God feels about us the same way that he did when he saved us. In fact, he feels about us the same way as 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. And when he did, he was looking forward to you and I today. 2,000 years later, you've heard the old song, when Jesus died on the cross, he, I was on his mind. I was on his heart. He was looking ahead. Thank God that in the sports world, you know, you're either a heel or a hero. I mean, you're either making money or you're out, but not with Jesus. He's immutable. He never changes. I'm thank God that he's my friend. Look at what it says in John 15 and verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Well, that's good, but am I Jesus' friends? (laughs) Thank God the Holy Spirit clarified, you are my friends. (laughs) Hallelujah. You are my friends. I'm the friend of God. Jesus is my friend. Yes, hallelujah. I will tell you, it is a special thing to have close friends. Special friends who are there through thick and thin, month after month, year after year. Decade after decade, it's rare to have a special friend. I'm thankful that I have a friend like that. I thought I would give you a little fun here this morning and show you a picture of my friend from 40 plus years ago. There we are. That is Pastor Tim, me, on the left, and that is Mike Robinette on the right. That is in 1978 in Pomona, California. That's a good looking guy right there, isn't it? You see that vest and that little key fob right there I got on? That's amazing. Tell you what, I was good looking. But I will tell you what, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I'm just saying. But I will tell you this, as nice and as wonderful it is to have a friend who's still here in a couple of months, he'll be with us and he'll be out there soul winning. We'll be out there knocking on doors together. It's wonderful to have a longtime friend serving the Lord together. But as wonderful as that is, it is even greater as it says in Proverbs 18 to 24. Look at it. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He, he's my friend. Jesus said, You're my friend. And then look what it says in Solomon. Look what Solomon says in Proverbs 18. There's a friend that sticketh closer. You know what that word sticketh means? It means just like you might imagine. It means to adhere. It means glue. Jesus said, I'm glued to your side. You might go here and you might go there, but you need to know something. I've never left you. I'm glued to your side. The character of God is absolutely the same. The old theologians would illustrate the immutability of God with a cube. You take a cube. You set it on one side, it's the same. You flip it over, it's the same. You flip it another way, it's the same. No matter how many ways you flip that cube, it's always the same. The immutability of God is a cube. It is the same. God's personality never changes. That's why when Peter was preaching on the great day of Pentecost, and he reminded all of his brothers there, his Israeli brothers, he said, look, It's been a long time since Abraham. Look at Acts chapter 3 and verse 13. But he said, the God of Abraham is here today. The God of Isaac is here today. The God of Jacob is here today. I am preaching Jesus, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Humanity comes and humanity goes, but God is still the same. That's why when God was speaking to Moses, he gave him a name, Yahweh, or Jehovah. He, the word Jehovah means I am. <laughs> the reason that is, is because there was never a time where God was one way and then he was another way. In any era, in any time, he's always in the present tense. He is what he's always been and he will always be what he's always been. That's exactly how God works. When I was uh, got my first uh, little cell phone, our little smartphone there, boy, it was sure fun to have. And, but I, as, as so many people, I'm, and still today, not as smart as that phone, I will tell you. But uh, a few years ago, they came out with this personal assistant, this personal assistant named Siri. Now, Siri and I have quite a relationship for sure. She's a little bit sassy once in a while, but one of my children said, dad, did you know you can change the accent on Siri? I said, really? And sure enough, you can have Australian English, you can have uh, UK English, you can have American English, and you can talk to Siri, and you can have a mail. You can, I mean, there's just a lot of ways to change Siri. But I will tell you, no matter how I ever changed Siri, she can't still pronounce Lodi. They all, she always says Lodi, and uh, that's what she always says. But I will tell you, there are some things... That you cannot change on that phone. There are some things that are encrypted. They won't let you change. Now, folks, I will tell you, there's a lot of things in life we can change to suit our taste, but there's one thing that will never change. His settings are absolutely encrypted. And that is our savior. It is written in the word of God and he never changes. His personality never changes. That's why it says in Hebrews 13, verse number eight, Jesus is the same. <laughs> Always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. His promises, his purposes, his personality unchanging. Now this message would not be complete without clarifying because I know some folks will say, well, wait a second. Why does it say that God changes? Well, let's talk about that. First of all, two misunderstandings in the doctrine of mis- immutability. First of all, it doesn't mean that God won't change In response to humanity's actions. Look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 6. It says, It repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Some people have said, well, looky there. God made a mistake. He was sorry that he created man. It doesn't mean that God felt like he made a mistake. It means that he was grieved over their actions And he changed what he had planned to do. He had planned to give him a blessing. Unfortunately, he had to bring discipline and a sanction on the human race. It wasn't his perfect will, but that's what he had to do. In Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 10, it says that God repented. It repented him. What he was going to do in dealing with the people of Nineveh. Again, people say, oh, well, God changed their no. It just means that God had planned to punish them, but when they humbled themselves, he repented. It's a great King James word. It just means he changed his actions. Remember I mentioned before, sometimes repenting means change of mind. Sometimes it means change of action. God didn't change his mind about sin. He changed his action towards what his plan was. You could say about immutability, God is immutable. This is a good thing to write down, but God is not immobile. God is stable, but not static. That doesn't mean that God will not change to changing conditions. For example, he reacts to those who respond. Look what it says in James chapter four and verse number eight, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. He's waiting for us. People say, well, I don't feel God. He's done all he's going to do. He sent his son. That's why back at the time of Jesus, they said, well, if, you know, if Noah or with Moses would come or if Jonah would come, they said, look, they have everything they need. They have the blessed word of God. That's why we can rest on his words. In Psalm 18 and verse number two, he's my rock. God is immovable. When the entire ocean of people and every thought is changing, God is a rock. Now, we've done a little boating in our lives, not much. We don't have a boat. Whenever we've done boating, we had to rent one. And typically it was on Lake Tahoe. But one thing I found about a boat is you can't park a boat. That's for sure. You got to dock it. And that docking is not an easy process, I will tell you. You don't go in there and uh, just kind of aim for the dock. You have to, there's all kinds of mechanisms. Well, I found that the easiest way to dock your boat, just take the rope and throw it to the deckhand there and say, hey, pull me on in here. That's the easiest way. I want you to know for a moment, let's imagine that we're in that boat and I throw it to the deckhand there that's standing on the dock and he starts pulling me to the dock. And I say, looky there. Well, the dock is coming towards me. Wait, no, we are going towards the dock. Today we have people that say, isn't it wonderful how things are changing? And it's even changing about who God is. No, folks, God is a rock. And the only thing changing is mankind's attitude. It doesn't mean that God won't change in his response to the humanity's actions. It also doesn't mean that somehow God is evolving. There are some that suggest today that God is maturing. God is developing. It ranges from just kind of a little bit of suggestion like, aren't we glad back in the old days churches used to preach hellfire and now you know, we've learned a lot about God and we don't have to preach that way. Well, I will remind you folks that whether we preach about hell or don't preach about hell, hell is not changed. The fact of God's word is not changed. Others have said churches need to be more relevant. As culture changes, theology should change. Many even to say that theology is emerging to fit the world. And that experiences with God is more important than dry old doctrine. My friend, once we get into that concept, that is not a step into the light. That is a step into the dark. That's what's called the emerging church philosophy. That God is not uh, stable. God is fluid. God's truth is changing. And we're still learning about God, folks. We may be still learning about God, but all the truth about God has been given to us it is once delivered unto the saints, the Bible said. Now this even gets even worse because some folks say, I'm a New Testament Christian. I don't follow that Old Testament. One lady made it a real point to tell me she did not follow Peter. She said, I only follow Paul. I said, well, what? She said, yep. Peter is the old covenant. I said, what? He was in the gospel. She said, Exactly we should follow the New Testament, Paul. I said, well, Paul preached the same thing that Peter did. And uh, they both preached the same thing that Jesus did. She's, I thought, man, that who got a hold of that lady? Folks, God isn't changing. God isn't becoming different. Aren't we grateful that God is nicer than he used to be? That's what some have the idea. And then folks, there's one final concept and it's called process theology. You've probably never heard of it. Frankly, I'd never heard of it until I started studying this message. But it is very prominent, especially in liberal seminaries, process theology. The idea is that God's in constant change. He is in the process of evolving. And that's why most denominations, sadly, have become process theology. That is that now many... Um, denominations, several, I should say, denominations actually will perform same-sex marriage. Why? Because it's so prevalent now that we need to adopt to that. Now, folks, that is process theology that somehow God used to be against it, but now he's changed. Folks, God does not change with the times. Not only is that unbiblical, that's unlogical how could God change for the better? If God was God, how could he change? How could he ever change for the better if he was always perfect at the beginning? It doesn't make logical sense and it certainly doesn't make biblical sense. It's been said that God may change circumstances, but circumstances never change God. Well, there's two reasons why this Truth is important this morning, and the first one is for unbelievers, it's a warning. Now, the doctrine of immutability is a great doctrine for the believers. We're we excited, we're saying, praise God, he's always been there, he's always going to be there. But sometimes an unbeliever has the idea, well, maybe God will give me a break. Maybe maybe you just kind of let me slip in under the wire, or maybe what the Bible says isn't exactly true, or maybe hell isn't really real, or... Maybe, uh, maybe I can still do this and go to heaven, folks. If God let any sin into heaven, God would no longer be holy. And God is a holy God. God must punish sin. And that's why the doctrine of immutability is a warning. Now it's a loving warning, but it's a warn- warning to those that are unbelievers. You need to know. Every unbeliever needs to know. And if you're listening here and you're joining us, I'd remind you that God's immutability requires that He cannot and He will never change what He says in His words. It's a warning. Let's take it. And number two for believers is, thank God, a blessing. On the other hand, what a great blessing. Our Lord's attitude never changes towards those who will come to Him. He always says, come. John chapter 6 and verse 37, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I've talked with people over the years and said, I, I don't think God would ever love me. Are you willing to come to God? Well, yeah, but well, then he will save you. Why? Well, I, I don't think he would. No. If you're willing to come, he'll save you. you so well, how do you know that? Because of this verse. If you will come to him, he will never cast you out. If you're willing to come, he will never cast you out. Why? Because he's an immutable God. In fact, perhaps the most beautiful and maybe the last promise in the Bible is found in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. Look what it says. And the Spirit says, Come. The bride says, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is athirst, Come. Whosoever will. If you'll come, he'll save. If we'll come, he will always be there for us. This is the greatest new endeavor, the best way to face. Life's changes is to look to an unchanging God. In the Old Testament, the great prophet Samuel issued a great caution. In 1 Samuel 15 verse 29, he who is the glory of Israel does not lie and he never changes his mind. Samuel here was warning Saul, just so you know, God never changes his mind. Because God is omnipresent, He's there for us. Because God is omniscient, it means he understands what's going on in our life. Because God is omnipotent, his power is always there to help. But because he's immutable, all of these facts never change. Do we realize how fast the world is changing? Think about it. I mean, it's only a little over a hundred years ago when the first people got in a little airplane and kind of flew a few hundred yards. And yet now they have rockets that go up in the air, go into orbit, go into space stations. That's only a little over a hundred years ago. We went to the beautiful, uh, really uh, delightful museum of automobiles up there in Reno and walked through it. Just amazing. That's really only a few years ago where the first automobile And uh, people were so excited, go down the road. Now we have electric cars, self-driving cars, self-parking cars. Every lady says, amen. Oh, that's sexist, isn't it? And uh, I mean, uh, and phones. I remember the first cell phone, that thing was like this big. I was holding that thing. I mean, now they have little tiny things. And I go through stores once in a while, I hear people talking to themselves. I think, good, I don't think, better be careful. Give that person a little bit of room there. And then I realize they're just talking to somebody on the phone. I have no idea where the phone is, but they're just talking away. But I will tell you what things are changing. But I'll tell you one thing that never changes Jesus loves me. This I know. And that's the greatest truth of all. The immutability of God means that He never changes. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed here this morning.